0: I know you'll still love me no matter what so but uh, so as we've gone through this on the Beatitudes we've been dealing about the radical message that Jesus was preaching we talked about how he said blessed are the poor in spirit we talked about how he how he laid out that blessed last week we were into blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness and it wasn't uh, that he didn't say there that blessed are those who hunger and thirst after the after God, but those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, that which is right, justice, the right thing. And uh, so we got into dealing with that. If you've missed any of this series, uh, I encourage you to get online and listen to it. Uh, our podcasts are all available on um, our Facebook page, and um, or the, you can get CDs if you don't do the the internet stuff, but uh, they're on iTunes, they're on everything. So you can get them anywhere uh, online. But uh, I encourage you to go through all every part of this. This has been one of, the, um, one of my favorite series is to teach. Sharon will tell you that usually when I start a series, you know, because I have a little bit of wrestling with ADD. So if I get to three weeks, I'm usually done with that thing and ready to move on to the next thing. But we've been in this now for five weeks, I think. And uh, and my wife, you know, so thank you, sweetie. But uh, today, we're going to deal with one, because see, these, these do not get easier the further that you go in, and um, they, they're very profound statements. And you have to think of, when Jesus is preaching this message, the crowd that he is dealing with, the kinds of people that are in that crowd the scribes, the Pharisees, and of course there were people that really were interested in what he had to say, but that were desperate for a message uh, from God to hear the the message of the Lord. But um, while while he's speaking, he's not only helping people, he's making some people very angry in his message. I mean, really angry. And this next one that he gets into could really make some people angry. It might make some people angry here today. And on the surface, we would look at it and go, well, that not that, that's not that tough. But, but I want you to look at it with me, and this is in verse 7, where he says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the merciful, those who are showing mercy to others, for they shall obtain mercy. And I called this message reciprocity, which reciprocity means Jeannie was into it there. uh, And that was real helpful. Thank you, Jeannie, because she was talking about giving. And she talked about how that, what we give. You know, giving isn't just that we think about money. It's how we deal with people. What do we give to people? What do we give to those who hurt us? What do we give to those who have spoken ill against us? What do we give to people who have offended us? And there isn't a single person in this building that hasn't been offended at one time or another. If you have never been offended, I'll have you raise your hand. We'll bring you forward and pray for liars today. Right? Because we all get offended, right? Where The Bible says we're offended in many things. There are many things that we could be offended by. But the issue is, what do we do with the offense after it happens? Well, Do we offend back or do we show mercy? If you look just a little further ahead in Matthew in chapter 6, it's interesting because Jesus, as he's teaching the Lord's Prayer, uh, continuing in this sermon, he begins to reiterate the idea of forgiveness and mercy. In fact, he goes on and says in verse 12 of chapter 6, and forgive, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. There's reciprocity. Verse 14, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now I want you to, if you would this morning, I'm going to do a little, a little bit of Greek study here. So uh, I'll, I'll, I want you to underline or circle the word trespasses there or debts, whatever's used in your Bible. Um, when he talks about this word trespasses, in the Greek language there are basically two words that Jesus used and that the Apostle Paul used by the Spirit for the word sin, okay? Two words. One is the Greek word, which is called harmatia, which means that you're aiming for a target. We talked about this with calibration. You're aiming for a target but you can't hit the target, you keep falling short of the target. The target. It doesn't mean that you're not aiming for the target, it just means that you're not capable with what settings that you have in your life right now to be able to hit the target. That's why we talked about calibration, go to zero and then start over and then build up to where we get the right, we get strategically right. You and I, the Bible tells us, we're dead in our sins, okay? When it says that we were dead in our sins, it's saying that we were dead in our harmatia. Meaning, what he's saying there is, is that there was no way you could get to the right setting, no matter what you tried to do. Okay, harmatia means that mankind, even with all the right rules, kept trying to hit the right target, hit the bullseye of the target, get to the right point, but he was incapable of hitting the bullseye because. There wasn't a thing that he could do in his his performance to be able to get himself on track, okay, to get himself calibrated to be able to hit the target. So he could do all the right things, do all the right mechanics, follow all the law, do all the right things, but the law would never be enough. Doing the right things was never going to be enough to help him hit the target. Everybody with me right now? That's what harmatia means. So what did Jesus do? Jesus came and became harmatia for us. He came and bore the punishment and the penalty of harmatia, that which kept us uncalibrated, the sin of Adam and Eve in the garden, all that that they did that passed on from generation to generation. Jesus came in and he provided the opportunity for you and I as we believe in him to have a fresh new calibration or a new start. Now we're capable of hitting the bullseye. We are, we're capable of hitting the bullseye. We can live a sanctified, holy life because of Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Does everybody understand what I'm talking about? So we, we, we tried, look, for years, even with the law. The Bible says the law could not get man to where he needed to be. No matter how hard he tried, he could give everything he had, he could lay down his life, he could do all those things, and it would not be enough For mankind to be able to live, to be able to, because it couldn't change his heart. We needed a new heart. We needed a fresh start. That's what God gives us, amen, internally. So that's harmatia. Now, another word that Jesus used, which is this one that we're looking at here, where he says, if you don't forgive men their trespasses, is the Greek word parapatoma. And when you hear the word "para," that means beside. You know, like we talk about the Holy Spirit is the Paraclete; He is the Comforter, the one called alongside of us. The word "parapotoma," what that means is, is that it means the, the 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 stepping aside, the stepping aside, or the side deviation. All right, it's where we were going. We were trying you know, under Harmatia. We couldn't do the right thing under Parapotoma we decided to do the wrong thing. Okay? And look, can we just be honest? There have been times that we all knew to do the right thing, and we still, even as born-again Christians, chose to do the wrong thing. We knew God was saying something different, but we didn't care. We were in our emotions or... We were in our intellect, our logic. We knew that was wrong, but we, we didn't really... I mean, we went ahead and did it anyways. So, um, the word peripatoma means to deviate or to slip off the side. So, when he says this, when Jesus uses this context of this word, he says that, that um, you and I, that we are to forgive those who have sidestepped us or have, have deviated willfully to do the wrong thing against us. so Now watch this. So that we receive forgiveness from God for where we have decided to slip off the side. See, somebody might ask the question, well, you know, if, I'm, if, I, if I don't forgive, am I still going to go to heaven? Look, you're either going to heaven or you're not going to heaven. You're either born again or you're not born again. But you do a lot of sidestepping along the way. We make decisions to do the wrong things. Amen. Some of you are nodding, some of you are shaking. No, we do. All right. You know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not here to guilt, I'm, and that's definitely not what I'm trying to do. I'm here to help. But here's the here's, here, look, we could spend a lot of time talking about what you're not doing right. None of that has anything to do with you going to heaven. Sharon talked about it with covenant. You, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Look, you're either in or you're out. You're either, your name is either in the Lamb's book of life or it's not in the Lamb's book of life. See, and this is where Christians have gotten confused about this because we confuse harmatia with peripatoma. Peripatoma is the deviations, the side slips, the screw-ups, the things that we do where we get out of line. Harmatia is that that's where you can't get into heaven with harmatia. You're either forgiven of that or you're not forgiven of that. But what God is saying that, look, here's, what, here's the deal. If you, don't forgive people, if you don't forgive people for screwing up against you, then I'm not going to let you off the hook for screwing up against them. It didn't say you won't get into heaven. You know, uh, there's a great passage in James. It says that God will show no mercy to those who show no mercy. You'll show no mercy to those who show. If we don't give mercy, we're not going to get mercy. What's he talking about? See, what he's not talking about himself, he's love, he's mercy. He's talking about you're not going to live a life of mercy if you're not showing mercy. Let me let me take it to another level. Led this dream and uh, you know we're not led by dreams we're led by the spirit but the spirit can speak to us through dreams a lot of times the dreams you you can't forget about you know you keep thinking about that you wake up and remember uh, vividly usually those are those can be things that God is trying to talk to you about something I write them down I, I write them down um, you know because I may not understand them completely, but I write them down because I want to, I, I, I believe there's something there that I need to get from that dream, okay? I'm not led by it, I'm not guided by it, I'm led by the Word of God, the Word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. If I'm having dreams and they don't line up with the Word, they're not going to stay in my life, okay? They'll get deleted, <laughs> amen. But... I had this dream, and I was at church. And I, in in the dream, even though it didn't look like Amazing Grace, I recognized it was Amazing Grace. And the lights were out, like when we worship. And and uh, and what in the service, um, there were a couple of things that happened. Someone that got up and started speaking in Spanish to the congregation, and I knew we were at Amazing Grace. And I felt like that the Lord was saying to me right away, which I've shared this before, that that He was pleased with the fact that we had. Uh, made the that we had opened our hearts to have a spanish speaking congregation within our co- with our congregation and uh so he was thrilled with that and uh that that pleased him and the reason i knew he was thrilled was because when the lights came up there was like this really powerful glory cloud that was all through the building i mean it was everywhere and i mean when the light it 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 um, you know in the Old Testament it calls uh, the glory of God is called the Shekinah. Shekinah is the radiance the the this this cloud of you know that was so thick and it and it, and it sparkled. It was like this beautiful, brighter than any white cloud. I mean I've been up in the you know I've been up in airplanes before and saw some pretty bright clouds, but it was even brighter than that. and I was sitting next to Sharon and I, and and I said, I said, look at that, isn't that, that's amazing, and, and you could just feel, we were just overwhelmed with the presence of the Lord, and uh, so I was just, I mean, just really basking in that presence and that overwhelmed present feeling of the presence of the Lord, and when the service was over, I started to walk out, okay, and when I was walking out, there was this individual that, that was standing there that had caused me so much trouble in ministry. I mean, just aggravation after aggravation after aggravation. And don't try to think of who it is. It doesn't matter, okay? (laughs) And I, I see them, and they're dancing before the Lord in this hallway. And... I mean, they're spinning around in circles, and they're lifting their hands, and they're just dancing before God, and they're just so joyous, and I, and I knew that what had happened to them is, is that they had been healed, and I know that they had a, like a really bad illness in their life that they were battling with, and, uh, and when I saw that, you know, when I saw them healed, I mean, you know what I thought? They don't deserve that. I didn't say that to them. Be glad you don't say everything you think, right? Look at your neighbor and say, I know he's talking to you right now. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Don't, you don't say everything you think. But like, I like, I like saw them and they're, they're healed and they're rejoicing and I know they're healed. And in my heart, I got this attitude of, Lord, they're not worthy to be healed. They're not worthy to receive. They've hurt me. They've said bad things about me. They've told things that were outright lies about me. They've stirred up trouble and left a legacy of trouble in some of the stuff that they've done. And we left. And I knew when I woke up that the Lord was saying to me, You're wrong, son. You're wrong. I'm like, well, wait a minute. How can I be wrong? And why did you heal them? Because I don't think they deserve to be healed. One, let's get this clear. Jesus does not heal us because of peripatoma. Because if that were true, none of you would be well. We're healed by covenant, harmatia. He paid the penalty that you couldn't be calibrated right. Are you with me right now? See, you think you gotta get you gotta do something to get God to heal you, you're wrong. It's either provided for in the covenant or it's not provided for. And if you let the enemy come in and mess with you and say, well, when you get this straightened out in your life, then God will heal you, or when you get better, or when you act better, or when you do blah blah blah. Look, I've seen people that didn't, in my opinion, my personal judgment, did not deserve to get anything from God. No healing, no peace, no joy, no nothing. Because I think they're whack jobs. <laughs> huh? Look, I, stay with me now. I didn't call you a whack job. No, I had this one woman in my church in Marietta. I'm not kidding. Her name, was, her name was Becky, and uh, she was a Looney Tune, man. I mean, she was out. I mean, she I mean, she in church, she fought with her husband right during the services. One time I found a shoe flying across the floor. She took her shoe off and threw it at her husband. She stood on the front steps of the church and cussed her husband, hus, cussed her husband out and cussed us out. And then she'd come to church and God's presence would get all over her. And I mean she would not prophesy, but I mean she would be touched by the Lord. She supernaturally was one of the people that helped us buy our bill our first building when she walked in with a boot and started pulling or a sock and started pulling 100 dollar bills out of it and putting it on the, on the on the on the on my desk. I'm thinking God of all people that you would use. Why would you use her? Now, now, stay with me. See, because that's what we do as people, as God's people, as we, as we begin to look at others that have not done right or we don't think are in the right category and we think that they don't deserve. And the Lord says, look, blessed are the merciful for they'll get mercy. You want mercy. See, to me, the mercy that you need right now isn't when you get to heaven because you're either in or out. The mercy you need now, you need today, is today. You need mercy in this life. You need mercy in this life. So, so now watch this. Now this gets, really, this gets really amazing. So I know in this dream that the Lord is telling me that part of your problem, son, is, is that you don't think this person deserves the healing that they've received. And that is none of your business that they receive their healing. That has nothing to do with you. And I didn't call you to put judgment upon them. I called you to forgive and love them. And I'm telling you, man, when the Lord, I didn't like it. I did not like it. But I don't always like what's right. You know, you guys will recognize this. When your wife's telling you something, you know she's right and you're caught. Any men relate to that? And you're trying to think of a way out of it, but you can't think of any way out of it. So the only thing you can do is get mad. Get angry about it. And I, I mean, I've had it happen a bunch of times. I knew, I knew Sharon was right. I knew what she was saying is right. I've matured a little bit. And after about five minutes of being angry, I'll go, you're right. So, hey, look, that's better than what she does. I mean, she holds on to stuff already. I'm talking... <laughs> Honey, blessed are the merciful, for they. <laughs> See, when do you need mercy? You need it here. You need to live in that mercy. You know, when you look at, uh, you can write this down if you want to. But in 1 Corinthians chapter six and verses nine through eleven, um, he talks there about all this perversion, and he says you know, he goes through all these sexually perverse things and he says, and if you're doing any of these things, you're living, you're practicing these things in your life, he says, you're not, gonna, you're not gonna receive the kingdom of God, okay? You're not gonna receive the kingdom of heaven. You're not gonna receive the kingdom of God. He goes on and then he says it all again. Well, one of the things that he talks about in that is that he, he, one of the things he brings up, which gets lost, you know, because we tend to focus more in the church on all the sexually perverse things that are listed there, he, he goes on and says, revilers will not inherit. Revilers are those who are blasphemers. They're speaking bad about, uh, they're speaking bad about things. Revilers are revenge takers. Revilers are people who, you hurt me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to revile back and I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to say something bad about you. See, when you and I, when we're a reviler, when our mouth, when we're saying things about people that have hurt us, to be able to somehow either justify ourselves or somehow vent our feelings that we're having at that moment, I want you to know that we're not receiving the kingdom of God. When do you need the kingdom of God? You need it today, friend. It's not in the sweet by and by. You need it today. There a, lot of Christ- a lot of believers are not walking in victory Because of peripatoma, because of deviation, sidestepping, willfully. Willfully, now, I'm not talking about just I messed up. I'm talking about willfully not doing the right things when you know to do the right things. I've had actual people tell me, I know I need to forgive them, but. I know that's what I should do. I know I need to change my life, but. And then we come up with our list of circumstantial things of evidence to be able to explain why we can't change or why we won't change or why we won't do anything different. And Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, for they are the ones who will obtain mercy. Go with me to Matthew chapter 18, if you would. Matthew 18. Remember, heaven, you're either in or out, right? Okay? You can't earn your way into heaven, friend. Nobody can. It's only through the blood of Jesus Christ that we receive forgiveness in our life. The sooner you accept that, the sooner your life will begin to change. That it's through what Christ did. To deal with the peripatoma, the sidestep, the side deviation, the slip-ups, That comes through growth, that comes through you and I maturing in our faith, that comes through you and I receiving what the word of God says in our lives and allowing, and the Holy Spirit is saying to us and dealing with it in our lives, Matthew 18. And uh, so Jesus starts telling this story and uh, he says, and Peter came to him and said in verse 21, Lord, how often shall my brother sin, parapatoma, against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. You know, I'm sure Peter, when he said this, he thought, man, I'm doing a, I'm, I'm really giving myself a big space here seven times, right? I mean, I'm like, Lord, look at me. Seven times they did this. In fact, in one translate, one, one, part of the scripture, it says seven times, and, and uh, Jesus responds back and says, if they, you have to forgive them seven times 70, and that's all in one day. So he takes the seven and goes, multiplies it by 70, and then says, All in 24 hours. Verse 23 Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. He's talking about right now. He wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him all the debt. It was all forgiven. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid his hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, have patience with me and I'll pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servant saw... "'What had been done, they were very grieved "'and came and told their master all that had been done. "'Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, "'You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt "'because you begged me. "'Should you not have also have had compassion "'on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you?' "'And his servant was angry.' And delivered him to the tor- And the master was angry. Excuse me. And delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. Now look at verse thirty-five, because you won't like this, but I want you to see it. So my heavenly Father will also do to each of you if from your heart you do not forgive your brother his trespasses. Wow. wow. His trust. His parapetomas. Look, we can look all across this building. We have relationships with each other, right? There's not everybody's here today, but we can look all through this building. We have relationships with other people. Some people have offended us here. Some people have made us angry. Some people have maybe said the bad thing the wrong thing to us at the wrong time. Some people have have um, ignored us. some people haven't done what we expected. If you serve in leadership, you have to learn to deal with forgiveness because if you don't, You will hold everything accountable and all you will have is a list of who let you down. Uh, You know how impressed God is with your list of people that let you down? Let me tell you what God does with that. He says, look, I'm not going to help you. You're upset with everybody else about how they let you down. So here's the deal. You're on your own. Let's see how you live your life now without my victorious help. I didn't say you weren't going to heaven. I'm just saying you're not going to live with heaven on earth. Well, pastor, you know, you don't understand what they did. You, You didn't go through what I went through. You didn't experience what I experienced. Let me have, uh, Nick, can I use you an illustration? Come up here a minute. Hopefully we can do this. I want you to stand on that first step. I want you to wrap your hands around my neck. Don't choke me. Not like that. Okay. You ready? Welcome to my life. Nick hurt me. Nick offended me. You doing okay? Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Nick, he he despitefully used me. Nick. I hold Nick accountable for what he did in my life. But I'm not torturing Nick. I'm torturing me. Nick moves on. I still got Nick on my back. Give Nick a good hand. Amen. <laughs> you did good, buddy. Thank you. Now, wow, I feel much better with Nick off my back. (laughs) Wow. Glad you've been working out, brother, and taking care of yourself. But see, how is that any different with you carrying your dad on your back? He's dead and gone, and you're still carrying him around on your back. Huh? How about that uncle that sexually abused you? Or that cousin? Or that bad marriage that you went through, or that bad church that you were in? How many, I don't want to call them all nicks, but how many things are you carting around with you today? See, the truth is, the kingdom is right there. The reality is, you can't receive it because you're too weighted down by the junk. Because you can't look at the beauty of what God has for you because of what you've got on your back. All you can think about is the weight, the difficulty. Now eventually, truth is that if I carry Nick long enough, I'll get strong enough to carry him all the time, right? I'll get tired and I'll get weak, but I'll get used to it. You can get used to carrying that divorce around with you. You say, well, Pastor, so what do we do? We have to make a choice. That's what forgiveness is. We have to make a choice. Here's the choice we make, though, okay? Because, see, what we do is we look at it in light of what they've done and think, my choice is to forgive them. No, my choice is not to forgive them. My choice is to say, I have been forgiven so much. I've been forgiven so much, how can I not forgive them? I've been forgiven. Oh my goodness, Richard Jolliffe has been forgiven so much. How can I not forgive those who offend me, those who hurt me? You know, wouldn't it be cool if church, was an offense-free zone? Well, it is. It's supposed to be. But it's not that you won't get offended. It's that you won't carry the offense. Wouldn't it be awesome if marriage was an offense-free zone? Well, it's supposed to be. Because in that zone, what's supposed to happen is we realize how much we're forgiven, so we just can't help but forgive the other person. That our lives aren't like a list of things, a litany of what they did wrong, how they let me down. Well, my wife, if she would have done this and if she'd have done that, or if, or if, you know, if this person, if my husband would have, you know, if he was more spiritual, if he would have went to church, look, all you're doing is you're bringing up all the parapatomas, the side slips, the deviation. And all you're doing to yourself is blocking yourself or waiting yourself that you can't receive what God wants to do in your life. I didn't say you still couldn't get healed. I didn't say that the principles of giving and receiving still didn't work. Are you with me right now? They still work. Because you're forgiven by God. But that forgiveness that you've experienced in your life should outflow in how you treat everybody around you. Blessed are the merciful, because they get mercy in their life. They get mercy. Years ago, when a, a famous preacher in the United States of America, this was like in the 80s, I mean, he was he was a mess, very well known. And he had just one thing after another after another. I mean, and it came out in the media, and everybody knew about it. And oh my gosh, he was the his ministry was totally disgraced and and, uh, you know, uh, and it was a really tough moment in church history for, for, for Pentecostals especially. It was really tough. I mean, I know people that actually walked away from church because of this guy messing up because they said, well, if there's no hope for him, there's no hope for me. Well, let me tell you a secret. Your preacher isn't your destiny in Christ. Christ is your destiny in Christ. Amen. Uh, look, follow me as I follow Christ. If I'm not following Jesus, don't follow me. Amen. Now, he, he messed up so bad. And I mean, you could just feel it. And then another guy, public ministry, Pentecostal, totally, he had screwed up big time and sinned and done all kinds of wrong things. And so, blah, blah, blah. Everybody's worried. Everybody's talking. Every You know, uh, this is bad. This is bad. Gossip is flying around. And everybody's talking about all the sins of these leaders, okay, of these great should never fail, should never fall leaders. And if you lived during that time, you remember this. I mean, you remember what it felt like. And we felt, and in the church, there was a complete, absolute justification. But, you know, in some ways, you know, God uses me prophetically at times. You know, prophets, they comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. And while the church was going through this whole period of time of just being so comfortable and And feeling so justified, and these guys were so wrong, and how could they, and how could they let us down? And so I went to the pulpit on a Sunday morning, and I said, I have with me today a sheet of paper. And on that sheet of paper, I have your name. And on that list, I have everything the Holy Spirit showed me that you guys are doing in your life that's not just and right. You that are fornicating, looking at pornography you that are adulterers you're cheating on your spouse you that are god robbers because you won't give your tithes and offerings i got all your names right here on this list and i want you to know today that publicly i'm going to read every one of your names you gossipers your names getting read off today and we're going to talk to everybody and i mean you could feel in the you could feel it in the church it was the everybody's eyes were wide open. I'm sure there was silent repentance going on in the chairs. Oh, Lord, don't let him read my name. And I mean, I went on. I went through the list. I mean, I went through everything. I just said, look, I've had it with you guys. I've had it with this church. I've had it with you people. I've had it with your lying. I've had it with your deception. I've had it with your gossip. And today's the day of reckoning. And I'm reading from the list and I'm holding this piece of paper in my hand and I mean, I mean, it is, nobody know. I don't even, did you know what I, you knew what I, you didn't know what I was doing. Sharon's like in deep intercession in the front row. Oh God, he's gone nuts, he's, he's lost it. And she's worrying about herself because she knows I know her sins and so... And then at one fell swoop, I pull that piece of paper up and I say, here we go. And I said, but here's the problem. The blood of Jesus has cleansed the list. The blood of Jesus cleanses the list. You could just felt like this great sigh go over the church. I said, because my requirement from God is to forgive as I have been forgiven. How can I hold you for what you have done, knowing how much God has forgiven me? It's easy for us to pick at preachers, isn't it? Public figures, right? Their shortcomings, people that have offended us and hurt us. But the requirement of God is, blessed are the merciful. Because that's who's going to get mercy. He shows no mercy to those who give no mercy. And those who don't, they're destined to be tortured by carrying the weight of their unforgiveness on their back. Now, you might be sitting here today and saying, well, thank God he's not talking about me today. That's not me. That's not me. Maybe you're like me in that dream. God, how could you heal that person? How could you do that for them? They don't deserve it. They don't deserve it. See, the real problem was, in my life, is I had not forgiven that person. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness is the choice that we make to put it away. Forgiveness means, in the actual Greek, to put it away. You know, it's like you go home, you do laundry, you put stuff away, right? You put it back, and hopefully you put it back where it belongs. Where does forgiveness, where does the sins of people against you belong? Put away, out of the way. Doesn't mean it didn't exist. did not mean it didn't happen. Look, I was abused. I was beaten. I mean, I've had all that. I've got all these things. I could, you know, stand up here and just talk about all that stuff. But I refuse to let it be an active part of my life. Now watch this. I refuse to let the past stop my future. I'm the only one being robbed. Somebody said, you know, that unforgiveness is like, you know, you wanting to hurt the person that hurts you, but you're drinking the poison. You are. We are. We do. How does marriage work? With a lot of forgiveness. A lot of forgiveness. How does, how does friendships keep active? With a lot of forgiveness. How do you stay in a church? A lot of forgiveness. How do you keep the same pastor for 28 years? A lot of forgiveness. Huh? You know, I used to, years ago, and it bugged me, but I was mad. I kept a list of things that people did again. I really did keep a list because I thought someday if I ever need to get back at them, I want to make sure I have it documented. I kept my list. One day I was just we were worshiping the Lord, and God said, "I want you to burn the list." I'm like, well, what if I need it? He said, you won't. Yeah, but what what if I do? I don't want to forget, like, what exactly happened. I want to make sure I have the evidence. He said, I want you to burn it, because I want you to know I burned all your evidence a long time ago, son. And it's time to let it go. Let it go funny, you treat people a lot different when you let things go. You're a heck of a lot more loving when you let stuff go. You stop avoiding people at Myers when you let stuff go. <laughs> now, I'm not going to tell you, if you see me lurking around, sneaking, I might be hiding from somebody, but, but you got to let stuff go. You got to let stuff go. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the merciful. That's who's going to get the mercy they need in this life. Man, do I need mercy today? Do I need mercy today? Absolutely. Do you need mercy today? I need it. Look, I'm going to ask you in advance. Please forgive me for everything I've done, am doing, and will do. Because there'll be something. Sometimes I walk away from conversations and say, maybe you don't do this, but I'm kind of a motor mouth, so I say stupid stuff sometimes, and I'll say something, and then I walk away and go, oh, Lord Jesus, why did I say that? Why did I say that? Where did that come from? You know, sometimes we just don't have any filter. You know, we don't filter out stuff we're thinking, and we say stupid stuff in a conversation, and then we walk away and go, oh, no. Oh, sometimes Sharon and I've been in an argument and I thought I'm not, I shouldn't say, that. Don't say it. Don't say it, don't say it, don't say it, not Oh, I said it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, you're just like, oh my gosh, why did I do that? You gotta let stuff go because you need mercy. And you, my friend, have been forgiven so much. Jesus has already made the decision to forgive you for what happened at years and years ago through Adam and Eve and mankind, you've—he's already chose to forgive all of that. That's a concrete decision. If you'll believe on him, it's done, it's settled. But here's what God tells us. If we refuse to forgive those who have hurt us, who have done wrong against us, if we refuse to walk in the mercy that God has shown us, Then he tells us, you'll bear the weight of it. You'll bear the burden of it. And I am not carrying that burden for you. And I am not carrying that weight for you. You'll be tormented by the past. You want to know what the tormentors are? The tormentors are your past. You'll be tormented by what you've lost. You'll be tormented because you refuse to let it go because you refuse to let it go. Today's a great day to let it go. The Lord told me there are two things and I'll stop. There are two things that will that are that are impeding revival right now in the United States of America. Only here now I'm talking about. Faith and forgiveness. Two things. Faith And forgiveness. Our lack of faith that God is who he says he is. He'll do what he said he would do. Amen. And that we can do what he said he could do. That he said we could do. And our lack of forgiveness. That we won't let stuff go. For this church to move forward. Forgiveness must increase. And faith must increase. For your marriage to move forward. Faith must increase. Forgiveness must increase. Because you can't go forward carrying the weight that you're carrying. Stand up with me if you would. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we come before you with no excuse, none. Lord, for all the hurt in our lives, all the people that have let us down, whether it's our children or it's a past marriage or a current marriage or family members, church people, workplace people. God, we come before you today and we think of the greatness of your mercy to us. We had nothing to give you. Nothing. We had nothing that could make us right. We had nothing that could get us in the right calibration. Lord, our lives were out wrong, out of line. But you and your goodness, Lord, provided a way out for us. The blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, in our lives, the things that we have carried help us today. Not tomorrow, not in a week if we think about it, but today in the next five minutes, to take those things and put them away. To choose to set it aside and no longer let it affect our relationship and no longer let it affect our lives, Lord God. May we, Lord God, be blessed as merciful people because we are showing Mercy to those who are around us. And I thank you for that. I thank you, Lord, that we don't give people what they deserve. And we don't get to determine what people deserve. We choose to let it go. Fill your Holy Spirit is dealing with the hearts of people right now, Lord God. I just ask you, Jesus, by your grace and your goodness, Lord God, to draw your people to you in a greater capacity, a greater understanding, and a greater love, and a greater love. Mm. And I thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask today if our prayer team would come forward and stand here at the altar with me if you would. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Today's prayer team, if you'd come and Join us here. Come on up and just position yourself somewhere up here. Amen. Thank you, Lord. You know, I know sometimes that, uh, I know that sometimes we think that Well, he's saying all that because he thinks it's easy. Look, if it was easy, we'd all done it already. Not easy. Not everybody, it's not easy to let go of stuff, especially when you're hurting, especially when your emotions are screwed up over it, when you just can't stop thinking about it. When you see that person, you can't stop thinking about what they did, man. It just, it's tough. It's not easy. But see, that's where God's grace comes in. That's where getting in front, dealing with other people and just saying, look, pray with me over this. I got to let this, I got to get this out of my life. I got, I've got to get, let go of this. You know, I've had couples that have come forward and said, pray pray for our marriage. Pray for the two of us today. And I, and I usually tell them, look, you're the ones that have to pray, but I'll, I'll lead you in this prayer. And we'll, you know, and just seeing beautiful restoration happen in marriages because of that. Um, So I just want to encourage you today. These guys are up here. These men and women are here today trained to pray with you, to be in agreement with you. You know, I feel like every time that we take a step to come to the altar, we're like putting our foot on the devil's neck and just saying, you're not holding me back anymore. You're not stealing from me. You're not robbing from me. You're not going to kill me. You're not going to destroy me. I'm going to walk in victory that God has for me. So Um, This morning, I'm going to open up the altar here as we close out the service today for that. And uh, I also just want to mention to you that if you need prayer for healing, healing is the children's bread according to the scripture. It's the covenant that God has made for us, the covenant that God has made for us. And if you need healing in any capacity in your body, get somebody in agreement with you. If two or three agree as touching anything, the Bible says, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. That's why I believe in agreement. Hallelujah. So many of you this last week when I texted you, wrote back wonderful prayers. Please agree with us over this. Stand with us. I'm your partner. We're going to pray. We're continuing to pray. But this is a great opportunity to get some flesh and blood in front of you and let them pray for you. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. Jesus, we love you. Go ahead.
1: So um, this morning we were talking about this on the way in, and, you know, sometimes we need a point of contact to make it real to us. Yes. And, uh, but as you were talking, um, the thing that we were talking about this morning about throwing those things in the ocean. Yeah. You know, obviously we don't have an ocean around here that we can get to, but you know, one thing that's helped me in the past is I have written a letter to the person that offended me. And because you know a lot of times they don't know that 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 they've offended you. So going up to them and saying, hey, I forgive you for offending me. <laughs> okay. That, that
0: doesn't work. It doesn't work.
1: So but what I've done in the past is I've written a letter and then I took a match to it and burned it. So today, as you were talking about it, what I saw was, you know, I don't, I don't know if we want to, you know, be playing with matches, you know, if you have a fireplace, that might be a good idea. But so, this, as I was just sitting there thinking about it, I saw a roll of toilet paper and taking a pen and writing it on a roll of toilet paper, you know, maybe not their name, but whatever offense it is that they've done to you, or that you've accepted, and then taking that square and flushing it down the toilet. Flush it. Wow. And then take another one. Flush it. Yeah. Take another one. Flush it. And the reason being is because you're never going to get that back.
0: You hope not.
1: I oh. <laughs> I mean, it depends on how thick your toilet paper is and how much... <laughs> And how, how much, much you're throwing, throwing down there, that toilet. Right. You know, you might clog it up. But, <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, is that it's a visual yes. thing that you have. So when that offense wants to come, because it will come back up. You know, you don't think that I think about people that have harmed me, you know, offended me. Even though I said I forgive them. I, you know, once in a while I'll be go- going along and all of a sudden there's their face. Yeah. And that offense is there. But whenever I have a visual of flushing that down, the, not flushing them down the toilet, but flushing that offense down the toilet, I remember, you know what? It's gone. Yes. It's like we said in the beginning, as far as the east is from the west, it's gone. Yes. Never to be seen or touched again. Yes. So just a word of encouragement Amen. for you. Go home, get your roll of toilet paper out, get your pen out, stand before the toilet, and, you know, flush it.
0: Amen. Good. So, just in closing, I was reminded of the Lord. We're not talking about trust. We're talking about forgiveness. Trust is earned. Everybody say that with me. Trust Trust is earned. earned. You earn trust. Forgiveness is free. Nobody has to earn your forgiveness. But they do have to earn your trust. Amen? The altar is open for prayer right now. We want to invite you to come for prayer if you'd like that. If not, God bless you. Have an awesome day. Enjoy the Super Bowl tonight.